this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. Fears number two, like I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, this is a, a very unique series. I felt the same way about bragging rights. Maybe just I should stop saying that because probably every series is going to be unique. Uh, but this one in particular, so we are on day eight right now of a 14-day fast together as a church. And uh, can I just say how proud of you all I am? <laughs> You're, I just, I never expected so many people challenging themselves to fast for the very first time. I never expected so many people challenging themselves to fast for longer than one day. I actually, my expectations in the beginning of this were... You know, this is a fast like no other. I've never heard of another corporate church-wide fast being done quite like this, where we all take a day and all of that. Uh, so I was honestly, I didn't know what to expect, but I thought if I can get three people per day, that would be just, that'd be awesome. And then I started to see the names trickle in, and I was like, okay, well, maybe five a day is a pretty good goal. That That feels good to me. I'd be pumped if I got five people per day. Let me just tell you, the least that I have per day is six. There's a couple of days that are just six people, but most of them are more like 10, 12 people. I have so many people fasting every single day, and honestly, it's been very encouraging to me. I've also gotten so many questions about fasting. You know, every morning, I look at the, the list of people fasting for that day, at least the ones that have signed up and let me know that they're fasting that day. And I, I just spend a little bit of time praying for you, asking that, that God would just reveal himself to you through all of this and that you'd learn lots of good lessons from God while you're fasting. Uh, and usually I send out a text, you know, praying for you. Thank you so much for doing this with us. And so much of that has come back to me like, yeah, pray for me. It's the beginning, you know, it's the early in the day. I'm doing good so far. Or they'll they'll come back with so many questions. Like some of you tried to do like big fasts five days, 10 days, all 14 days without ever having fasted before. And, you know, you got a little hung up right about day four, four or five. Uh, I had questions about that. A few of you wondered how to fast while taking medication that you're supposed to take food with, right? What's the logistics of that? Is it cheating if I have a little applesauce along with my pills and those kinds of things? A few of you wondered, you know, should my prayer life change while I'm on a fast? What does that look like? What's it supposed to look like? All great questions. So many great questions. And I've enjoyed so much getting to talk you through those things and really connect in a deeper way in that way. I think it's been really, really great for us as a church this season. Uh, but my hope is that it's also going to make you, not just as a church, but you individually, make you more fierce in your faith than ever before. Fasting has this fierce sort of quality to it, right? It gives you an edge. And I hope to hear so many stories later on of big breakthroughs in your faith or, you know, in your prayer life, or your walk with God. I hope that we'll get to share those testimonies soon of what God is doing in your life right now. And you might not even be aware of what he's doing right now, but you will be soon. The bonfire Jason mentioned on Friday night was just so powerful for that reason. We got to hear so many testimonies like Latina's here this morning that of God just changing lives, who you were before Jesus and who you are now since knowing him. So powerful. Thank you so much to everyone who shared, by the way. So powerful. Uh, we've seen so much 
spiritual warfare going on in our church over the past couple of weeks, too. You know, people reporting this, this presence in their home that just feels evil or dreams warning them about something or this is just sleeplessness and anxiety and fear and worry and panic attacks and that sort of thing like they've never experienced before uh i've been having spiritual warfare 101 talks with so many of you aaron and i have uh just walking you through what that looks like what that means now all of this the fasting the warfare the the digging deeper the testimony sharing it's all working together to make us a fiercer people, fiercer in our faith. I really believe that God is forming us into the vibrant, passionate, selfless people he's called us to be. And this passage this week that we're going to go over is going to help us with that as well. We're actually staying in Philippians this week. I did not expect that, by the way. God keeps pulling me back to these four small chapters in this tiny book in the New Testament, Philippians, and uh, really studying, I've I've really been enjoying studying the life of Paul. Oh, if it were up to me, and it's not, it's up to the Holy Spirit, but if it were up to me, I would probably preach out of the Old Testament almost all the time. I love getting to dig in. I, I love the, it's kind of vague sometimes, the Old Testament. There's a lot of pieces missing, and I love sort of digging for those truths. And it always feels like the New Testament is just so straightforward. <laughs> like, do this, don't do that. Okay, go do it, you know? And I, I like digging. So I've, I've been really focused on digging into Paul's life. Rather than looking at the stories and the arcs of the people group in the Old Testament, I'm looking at the life of Paul specifically. And I think Philippians 1, which is where we're going today, if you want to go ahead and turn there, Philippians 1 verse 20. Uh, This particular chapter gives us some insights into who Paul was, how he maintained a fierce faith, and sort of his perspectives on things, because they are very different than some of my own perspectives. And I, I want to learn from that. I hope you do too. So by the way, before we get into this, if you have questions about fasting or, or spiritual warfare or even sharing your testimony, all those things that I just spoke about, please contact me. I'd love to have those conversations with you as well, walk you through what that means, just as I've had with so many others this week. So Philippians 1 Verse 20 is where we're going to read today. Just 10 small verses, but let me tell you what, each and every sentence of this passage will hit hard if you let it. So Philippians 1 verse 20, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. Let me just read that one again. For I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. 
conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Did you know that was in the Bible? Let me just read that one again, too. You've been given the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We're in this struggle together. You've seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. I can't get over the weight of this passage. I feel like I need to live in it all year, possibly, digging through the nuggets of what Paul is saying, because he was not only saying these things, he was actually living them, truly suffering for Christ. The book of Philippians was written as a letter to the church in Philippi while Paul was in prison. He wasn't only saying these things, he was living them, walking the walk as well as talking the talk. So there's a couple of things I want to pull out of this, a couple of, of hints at Paul's perspectives for us that as we're in this fierce sermon series that so many of us are, are fasting and dealing with spiritual warfare and working through what it means to have a testimony, a story of something that God has helped you with. I, I just want to pull out a couple of things from this. So Number one, he, he says, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. If that's not full surrender, I don't know what is. And we throw around this word surrender in the church sometimes, like, like what does that even mean? Like, I surrender when you put your hands up and, and the cops behind you, you know? Is that, are we talking about, what, what are we talking about? We don't often use the term surrender in typical everyday language. But surrender is just giving everything to God. It's understanding that he has the ultimate say. I might have preferences of what I want to happen, but ultimately I'm giving it to God. I surrender. My hands are up. God, do what you will. Uh, I've spoken with so many people this week. I know I keep saying that, but... There were a lot of conversations this week. I've spoken with so many people this week also going through health issues, big things, life-threatening health issues. And because we've been there, my husband and I, he was going through kidney failure over the past couple of years. We've been there. There were many times I thought I was going to lose him, and he thought he was going to lose him. We weren't sure we were going to make it through that. Because of that experience, I can sort of have a different perspective with people walking through those things. And I can recognize a certain attitude. At some point in all of that, there's this shift that happens with Christians walking through life-threatening issues. That There's a shift. It's not necessarily a tired of fighting or give up type of shift. You're not saying, God, I just can't do this anymore. right? But it is a release of control. You're releasing that tight grip you have on your own life, that tight 
grip you have on, on, on the control over your life. It's amazing how that happens, even as you continue to fight. Right? Most people think surrender is, well, I'm just going to step back and let God do everything. Right? I, God, do what you will. I'm just going to sit here and hope a job comes along. I'm just going to sit here and, and hope that health comes my Like, it's not that you're doing nothing, right? God doesn't usually reward laziness. He is a productive God. He's made you that way too. It's not doing nothing. Right? We, we had, Aaron and I had to come, and we talk about this a lot lately because we're almost a year from transplant now. and Life changed a lot when that happened. Uh, but we're still sort of processing a lot of the things that we went through. And we talk about how there was, towards the end, till transplant, and Aaron's health was getting so bad, there was some moments we had to come to separately and then sort of together as well, where we said, God, we're going to continue to fight. We're going to continue to pursue transplant, going to continue to treat with dialysis, even though it's horrible. We're going to continue to fight health-wise. But we also understand that you are still God. You are still good. We know that you can heal. I'm not giving up hope that you will. We know that you can. But ultimately, do what you will. Do what you will. And both separately had to get to the point where we were like, I'm going to be okay, even if God doesn't heal him. Even if God doesn't transplant him. Like, even in a health way, we're going to be okay. Yeah, it'll hurt bad. Might get me off track for a little while, but I'm committing right now that I'm going to be okay. Ultimately, I'm going to be okay. It's a whole new level of surrender. Full and total surrender. I think that's what Paul is trying to put into words here. It's not that we continue to, it's not that we give up fighting, but we give over control. I'm going to keep fighting. God, you can stop me if you want. I'm going to keep pushing forward in the gospel, in my faith, in my life. I'm going to keep pushing. But God, I recognize it's ultimately up to you. Whatever you will, God. This is Jesus. He modeled this for us as well in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was taken in to be arrested and ultimately crucified. He's saying, God, if you can take this cup of suffering from me, please. Please do, and he's sweating blood, right? It's a, it's a tough struggle to get through, and I love that this is included in the Bible because I know that even Jesus struggled. But ultimately, he did not sin because he said, God, your will, your will. Please take this cup of suffering from me, but ultimately, your will. I'll do whatever you say, trusting that you have the best in mind. Maybe not the best for me right now, but the best for everyone, for eternity. I'm willing to go through that. We will never be menacingly wild at evangelism, as one of the definitions I have been claiming for fierce. We will never be menacingly wild at evangelism without being fully surrendered. Because something will always come along to tempt you into being silent. Oh, all those testimonies that were shared the other night, all the testimonies that I've been sharing on Sunday mornings lately. It's amazing how many people that I I genuinely look at as very bold and no problem, you know, on a stage in front of people with a microphone, but the the doubts, the doubts always come. Who am I 
to, to say anything about Jesus. I've, I've messed up so much. And who, who do I think I am to get up there with a microphone, right? I, I don't know nearly as much as, as I should. Or, or these fears, like maybe I'll mess it up. Like maybe I'll say the wrong thing. Like maybe I'll, I'll lead somebody astray with what I'm saying. What, what if I say the wrong theological, biblical thing? I, I don't know what I'm like. All these fears come up every time we go to share our testimony. Every time. Or, or like, will one a common fear for me is like I'll expose myself as as the fraud that I am. <laughs> like I'll show everybody that I'm not worthy or something. We, all these fears come up. Right? There will always be something tempting you to be quiet, to not step up and share your testimony. We will never be menacingly wild at evangelism without being fully surrendered. There will always be fears that want to hold us back. But surrender, surrender says it's not actually about me. It's not about what I say or don't say. It's not about my ego or pride. It's not about me at all. It's about Christ Jesus, and it's about what he can do through the people that would be hearing your message. It's about them. It's not about us at all. Surrender gives up what it wants now for what it wants more. This is what fasting is teaching me this time around, by the way. I know that I would rather eat now, right? It would feel good to eat now, but what I want more is spiritual breakthrough. What I want more is to be able to hear from God more clearly, and so I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to not eat now because of what I want more. Right? It's like it's like working out. What I want right now is to sit on the couch and be lazy and binge on Netflix all day. That feels good to my flesh right now. But what I want more is to be in shape and to be strong and to be healthy. So I'm going to sacrifice what I want now for what I want more. Surrender does that. Jesus did that. Paul did that all throughout the New Testament, sacrificing what they want now for what they want more. Paul said, if God's will can be accomplished by me living even in prison, so be it. If God's will can be accomplished by me going to heaven and being with Jesus, so be it. I'm okay with it either way. And I think this is why God has us fasting right now. I hope many of you have joined us in the Fierce Fast. If, if you missed last week, go to effie.church slash Fierce Fast, and you can see all the details about that and sign up to join us. We have one week left. We are halfway through. But honestly, fasting always teaches me something. I think this is what it's teaching me right now. My flesh wants things that aren't the best for me to have. And I have to learn to say no to it because if I can't learn to say no to something as simple as food, then I won't be able to say no when it comes to the very high, much higher stakes of persecution. I won't be able to say no to the fear when the Holy Spirit says, go tell that person about Jesus. But if I can do it with food, I'll be disciplining myself with food, then I'll be more likely to say, okay, God, whatever you say surrendering. I don't want to go and tell that person about Jesus. What if I look dumb? What if I, you know, all the fears come up, but I'm going to say no to my flesh and the fear to say yes 
to what God's asking me to do. Paul proved this with his life over and over and over. Remember the story of Paul and Silas singing in prison? In the dungeons. They got locked up for preaching the gospel, beaten and thrown in the dungeon, literally. This is in the inside cell. Thrown in the dungeon, and instead of licking their wounds and, and pouting in the corner, God, how could you? Right, I was out there doing your will. I was out there preaching your gospel like you told me to. How dare you? Right? I thought I was supposed to be more blessed. What happened? I'm in the dungeon. They didn't say any of that. Instead, they sang praises. They worshipped God in that dungeon. And many of you probably know this story. An earthquake comes, the doors to the prison pop open. If it were me at that point, I'm saying, okay, that's a sign. I'm out of here. Right? Thank you, God. Get the heck out. But they don't. They stay. They reassure the jailer. They go home with him. They preach the gospel to him. His whole household gets saved. They're willing to march right back into that prison, if need be, for the jailer's sake. (laughs) That's not full surrender. (sighs) But I often wonder if I would react the same. Would I be able to resist that temptation to just run far, far away? Would I be able to sing God's praises even when serving him is what landed me in prison in the first place? Would I be able to move on to the next town after that and do it all over again? That's exactly what Paul did. When Paul talks about living your life in a manner that is worthy of the good news, which is number two, actually, of the thing I want to pull out from this passage today, a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. We are to live in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. This is what he's talking about. It's not following rules and and complying with all of God's requirements, uh, living up to the law to earn your place into heaven or, or to earn God's love. It's not doing things out of obligation like that. That's not the good news. But actually examining why are we doing them? Why am I preaching the gospel? Why? If it's not for my sake, it's not for pride, which Paul also addresses in this book. There were false teachers around preaching just to make themselves look cool. It's not about that. It's about one more coming to know Jesus. And if we're not getting fierce with ourselves and our own selfish desires, we're not going to make it. That's not fully being surrendered into what he has for us. Then we're just working to get into heaven. We're just working uh, to earn it for ourselves, God's approval for myself. We're free from all of that. Jesus came to fulfill the law, to give us a new way to live, to set us free. So much freedom in Jesus. So much freedom In Jesus, it's not about the rules and the regulations and the commandments and the whatever. It's about living up to the good news of Christ. We have to live up to the example of Jesus Christ without the things that could hold us back from giving him our everything. 
We're fierce with ourselves so that we can show others what it really means to be free. That is a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. And because I've been so focused on evangelism lately with this series, I I want to challenge you to actually answer a question, to really dig deep into what the good news actually means. I hope you're taking notes today. I hope you're always taking notes. I I hope you have a a notebook and a pen out, your Bible open, or, or maybe notes in your phone. If you don't, go ahead and do that now. Switch over to notes. Take out a brand new sheet of paper, brand new note in your phone, and write down this question. What is the good news about Christ? What is the good news about Christ? I know it seems really simple. To those of you who have been saved 30 years, it seems super simple. Like you might have just put your pen down and looked at the screen like, really? <laughs> like I know that I can tell you right now what's, what's the good news about Christ. And yes, I want all the churchy answers. Right? Uh, all the answers that you would be proud to say out loud to me right now. Get those out of the way. Write all those down. But then I want you to break it down for me. What is the good news about Christ for you? Why was it good news when you heard it? What does it mean in your life? What has it changed for you? Who were you before you heard it, and who have you been since? What has it changed for you? Why was it good news when you first accepted it? What has changed? Make it personal. What is the good news about Christ? And honestly, this answer might change from time to time, daily even. (laughs) Today, the good news might be that God is my joy that I get to walk in freedom. I, I derive my sense of, of happiness from the good news of Jesus. He, God is so good to me because of what Jesus did. He was so gracious and, and loving, and that is my good news today. But maybe yesterday, last week, maybe tomorrow, the good news of Jesus Christ will be that God is my ever-present help in times of trouble. He is my rock, my fortress, my salvation. That even if I crumble under the weight of the world's pressure, that he never will. He holds me up. He places me on a high rock, a place of of safety. He hides me from my enemies. I mean, that's the good news for tomorrow or next week. What is the good news in your life today? If we don't, if we, if we can't define that, we're never going to be this fierce, um, evangelist in our world. We have to be able to define what that means. And then we have to live in a manner worthy of it. When you define it for yourself, you're taking it out of the pastor's hands, the church's hands, and you're making it personal. We can't rely on other people's faith. You can't rely on just what I've learned from the Bible this week. You have to get it for yourself. You have to let Jesus down so deep in your soul that he transforms you from the inside out. When each and every one of us are doing this, each and every one of us are constantly defining the good news in our lives and sharing it with others, actually answering that question on a daily basis, 
then we'll be menacingly wild at evangelism in our world today. Then we will be fierce to an enemy who wants to kill us, steal from us, and destroy us, the enemy of our souls. But we can only accomplish so much alone. We can only accomplish so much alone. There's so much more that we can accomplish together, which is why I think Paul in this passage, he says, one spirit and one purpose will be standing together with one spirit and one purpose fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. We have to band together sometimes, fight together with one spirit and one purpose. You know that story I mentioned last week, I believe, about Jesus driving out a demon that the disciples couldn't. Remember that story? Yeah, Jesus uh, was brought, the disciples were actually brought a boy. The father brought his little boy and said he's been tormented all his life by this demon that wants to kill him. Tries to throw him in wells and, and it tries to kill him all the time. I don't know what to do. I'm at the end of my rope. A disciple, your disciples tried to cast out this demon and they couldn't. Can you? Jesus basically says, what do you mean? Can I? The father says, I believe. Help my unbelief. I have loved that story since I was young. I felt very seen. (laughs) God, I I believe and I I don't believe at the same time. I have all these doubts and fears. How, How do I reconcile that? Do I just not have enough faith? But Jesus healed that boy. Even though the father said, I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus actually commended his faith in that statement. So I felt like there was hope for me too. But there's another piece of that story that's been bugging me all week and most of last week too. Later, Jesus goes back to the disciples and they ask him, God, Lord, why couldn't we drive out that demon? Why could you do it, but we couldn't? Explain it to us. Help us learn. And Jesus said, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting, or just earnest prayer in some translations. This kind can only come out by earnest prayer. Hear me out here. I'm still struggling with this up until last night. And I felt like God may have revealed a piece of this to me. I don't, I don't think I have the full revelation of what that really means yet. Jesus never explained it, by the way. So many commentaries and explanations out there about what this actually means. But I believe when Jesus fasted, his 40 days before his ministry started, he fasted out in the wilderness all by himself. Satan came to tempt him. And I believe Jesus was actually tempted. Yes, he was fully God, but he was also fully man, fully human. I think maybe he knew what it was to be tempted by evil itself, selfishness itself. And he actually knew. It wasn't just a fleeting thought that he easily wiped away. He was fasting. He was already broken down, ready for relief in his flesh. I think he was actually, truly tempted. And I think 
instead of judging the boy with the demon or the father because of his own experiences of truly being tempted, broken down, beaten up, I think he was able to sympathize. I think compassion overwhelmed him every time he looked at somebody that was suffering. Not because he had been in each one of those situations, right? He, he wasn't blind or, or lame or any of the, the number of things that were brought to him. But he could honestly, truly identify with suffering, temptation, because of those experiences, because he had fasted, because he was tempted because he spent time in earnest prayer before his father, God revealing truths to him. I think compassion might be the real way to live out a fierce faith. I think compassion is the key that unlocks all of this. When we truly can sympathize with the people around us, stuck in shame, fear, bound by selfishness, stuck in a loop that they cannot get out of on their own. I think when we pray, God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. He truly does. He wants us in that mindset, not in the religious mindset, which I talked about last week. Religion and pride are worthless in the kingdom of God. They mean nothing, worse than nothing. They make it hard for you to be compassionate. Because the whole time you're saying, well, I've done this, this, and I, I've been tithing. I, I fast. I, I pray. I read my Bible. I go to church. You don't. So you, that must be why you're suffering. <laughs> right? And people did that in Jesus' day. Constantly. We do it today, too. Compassion is what breaks that barrier. Compassion is what drove, drove Jesus to look in the eyes of people and say, do you really want to be healed? And he'd heal them by the thousands. It was compassion that unlocked that, that made him fierce in his faith because he wanted to save just one more. He was willing to climb up on that cross to save hundreds of thousands, millions more. He was fierce. Paul was fierce because they had a deep, honest compassion for people. They didn't just pretend to love people. They actually truly loved them. And I believe the root to compassion is suffering. Suffering ourselves. Actually experiencing some of that ourselves. This is why Paul says it's a privilege to suffer. So maybe we can identify with another type of person, another group of people that are struggling with something else. Maybe now I can, I can understand them a little better. Maybe I can speak to them a little better. Maybe I can truly be all things to all people so that I might win one more to Christ. We have to be of one spirit, one purpose. We cannot do that divided. We, we can't do that by judging each other, being selfish with one another. We can't do that when pride enters the church. I, I have to be honest. Aaron's whole struggle with 
with kidney failure over the past couple of years, my own health issues. I had a crazy back issue a couple of years ago. Through each and every one of those things, I learned spiritual truths that I don't think I ever would have been able to unlock without it. Both of those experiences gave me a new compassion for people. Like, I don't know why, and I'm ashamed to admit it, but I think I had this sort of vague arrogance before about health. Like it was somehow something I was responsible for or something that I deserve. And during both of those experiences, I really had to grapple with that idea. On the other side of those, I have so much more compassion for people going through it. I understand them from a whole new perspective. I understand that it's tougher than I could ever imagine going through something like that. I can weep with those who weep a little more because I've been there. Been there. And now I can look at suffering in a whole different way. Fully surrender to God. God, whatever you have for me, just like Paul, whether it's prison or taking a beating or just being made fun of and mocked and looked down upon. It's all right. I'm sure you have me in this season for a reason. And whatever it is, use it, God. Marriage issues, we've had them. Can we help? Right? Health issues, we've had them. Can we help? Spiritual warfare issues, parenting issues, anger at God, doubt, doubting your calling, doubting that you even have a calling, feeling lost and alone. We've been there. I've been there. I've experienced a little bit of that suffering. Can can I help? Because I feel like God has given me some things, given me some, some keys to unlocking some of that, some new perspectives I love to share them with you. Now I'm eager to use those experiences to help just one more. It's a privilege to suffer, particularly for Jesus. I think prayer and fasting have the same effect. Without the world beating you up and then things beating you up, that will naturally happen. But when we pray and we fast, We're teaching ourselves those things. We're taking on the discipline of suffering a little. Teaching ourselves how to get through it. When the flesh wants to give up, throw in the towel, pout in the corner, your spirit can rise up and say, no, I'm going to boast in the Lord. I'm going to boast in Jesus and Jesus alone. I'm going to take my strength from the joy of the Lord. It's not in food anyway. It's not in the things my flesh needs and wants. It's in Jesus. I will fully surrender to his will. His will. Fasting and prayer have that humbling, compassionate effect. You begin to see the world as God sees it. It is a privilege to suffer because I can help others. And it is especially a privilege to suffer for Christ because the gospel will be known, even if just by one more. God, make us a fierce people, willing to go through the tough stuff. If it means even just one more will come to know you.
willing to go through fasting and prayer, willing to go through persecution, willing to overcome our fear and all of the doubts that our flesh brings up in our minds, willing to cast it all away, to sweat blood in the middle of the night, knowing what's coming. God, help us give it all up to truly see suffering as a privilege, to truly be able to have joy through it, not after it, but in spite of it, because of it. Help us to see the world the way that you see it, to be that fierce believer, evangelist in our world that you've called us to be. Maybe today you're saying, I've never experienced that freedom, the love of God. But after everything you've said today, I want that. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be forgiven of everything in the past. I want God to give me a fresh start. Wipe all the selfishness, the sin, the shame away. Give me a fresh start with him. I want to know my purpose, the plan that God has for my life. I'm here to tell you today that it's so simple to step into that. Jesus came to make it so simple to give up everything in the past, to turn from it. That's literally what the term repent means. Turn away from all of those things in the past and start walking in a new direction. Jesus wants to give you that today. All you have to do is pray a very simple prayer. Jesus, I believe in you. Believe you died on that cross for my sins. I accept that forgiveness today. And I'm choosing to live your way from today forward. It's really that simple. We'd love to give you resources to help you with that decision, you can find on our website, fe.church slash I am in all of those resources. You can let us know that you want to pray that prayer or maybe that you have prayed that prayer today. We'd love to reach out and help you with that as much as we possibly can. Go to that website today. Freedom Valley. For those of you who have already prayed that prayer, answer the question. What does the good news mean to me? Make it personal. Know that story like the back of your hand. The Bible says to always be ready with an answer. When you're asked the question, why do you believe in Jesus? Why do you have faith? Always be ready with an answer. Your most powerful evangelistic tool is your own story. Your own testimony. And it doesn't have to be some big, you know, God saved me from drug dealing and now I'm a born-again believer or God, you know, took me from... It doesn't have to be anything huge like that. Use each and every story. God is always on the move. He's always doing a new thing in your life. I haven't feel like I have a new testimony every week for what he's doing, how he's moving. What is the good news to you today? What does it mean? deep down in your soul? What is it changing for you? 
answer the question. Be ready with that answer when someone asks. It's just because I've said it today, I bet you're going to get a question. <laughs> Prepare. Now, get ready. The world will soon be questioning. That is the benefit of persecution, by the way. All eyes are on the Christian. And not all of them are accusatory. Some of them are genuinely wondering, genuinely curious. Why do you believe in a world that is so hostile toward you? Why do you continue to believe? Be ready with an answer. Actually understand why you believe in what God has changed for you. Why you believe in Jesus. I have one more question to add to it, though. How can I use my own sufferings to help someone else or further the kingdom? How can I use what I have been through? And this is essentially what a testimony is. You're sharing that story. The story of your deepest, darkest moment, maybe. The story of that thing that you're so ashamed of. The thing that God has since taken from you and transformed your life. But you'd rather people not know about that thing. Maybe that's the thing God's calling you to share. Because somebody else is in that place. Now, as people were sharing testimonies on Friday night at the bonfire, we had five or six maybe. Some of them would break down crying. Their story was so personal and deep to them. And every time I'd whisper in their ear, it's okay. You're good. Take your time. But also... There are so many people out there that can identify with your story. So many of us have been there. Don't be afraid to share it because maybe somebody's there right now and they need your perspective because you've been there and Jesus brought you through it. Father, I ask that you would bring those stories out of us like never before. I ask that you would help us see suffering truly as a privilege and instead of whining our way through it complaining our way through it and stomping our feet but instead we begin to ask God I know you're going to use this show me how God I know I'm learning something right now show me help me learn it so I can help others help me use this as a testimony to help just one more help us truly see our lives as something that you can use it's not about us and the life and the career and the family and the house and the cars and the, everything that we build along the way, but it is truly about what you're doing. And we can truly live as citizens of heaven, understanding that eternity is the ultimate goal, that we're only here for a short time. Everything in my life is leading up to eternity. Someday. God, help us prepare for that well now. Help us be the fierce believers we've been called to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When someone stands in front of you and tells you it's a joy to suffer, you have to ask, what does that look like for me? And uh, maybe it's scary for some of you. Maybe it's something you've never considered. Maybe when you met Jesus, somebody said, it's as simple as saying these words, and then you never have to do anything hard ever again. 
being a disciple means discipline. It means giving of yourself for others. And that might be scary for some of us, but it will be a joy when you step into it. But if you're scared and if it seems difficult, I want to offer you the words that my uh, favorite professor at Bible college used to say to me and to all of us. Uh, He would close class right before a big test or just before something trying was ahead of us. And he was known for his prayers, his powerful prayers. And and I want to share one of those words with you verbatim. Would you pray with me? God, help. Amen. It's all it takes. Recognizing that it's outside of our control. That God is in control and we need his help and we agree with that statement. God, help. Amen. Whatever you're going through, it's for something good on the other end. That he can work it together for your good. This word is challenging, but it is challenging in all the right ways. So as we continue in this fast as a church, I'd encourage you, take a step out. Listen to these words Candace is is teaching. Be ready for what's ahead. Seek God. Ask for his help. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I-N-N. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.
to the Marine Corps with me and did my traveling, got married, had a beautiful daughter, her name is LaCole. I have six wonderful grandchildren. They live in the Atlanta area. My travels through the Marine Corps, getting out brought me to Baltimore, i.e. I made my way up to Hanover and just trans um, would travel back down into Baltimore for my profession as a first responder. Nonetheless, I've seen a lot of trauma, a lot of tragedy. And I'm going to tell you right now that it's really not about Latina. It's about what Christ can do with somebody like Latina, a reject, somebody that's been hurt, broken, bruised, busted and disgusted, rejected. People abandoned me. You get what I'm saying? But I'll tell you one thing. Christ never abandoned me. He said, I'll take her and he'll take you. So I don't care what you've been through in your family. I don't care what people have told you, what your own psyche have told you. There's somebody that can take a somebody, a nobody, and make them somebody and tell you that you can be somebody in him. And then he'll turn around and flip your life, transform your life, and then let you be a spokesman for him. Because right now I'm on the front lines. I'm in the process of getting my doctorate in community care counseling and traumatology because this girl right here going back to the highways and the byways and she going to give people that look like Latina that been through some things like Latina they white, black, 
And so I'm gonna touch on that white black thing. America, United States, black church, white church. It's not about a black life matter, although we do matter. Yeah. Trust that, we matter. But it's about every life matter. Yeah. Because when you got hatred and bigotry and pride and arrogance, that thing is a blood thing. It grows across, across all races. So I'm gonna continue to promote that all lives matter, but I'm also a black female right here proud to be <laughs> representing Christ Jesus. So what I wanna say to you all, you might as well get used to looking at this type of face along with this type of face because we coming out there because we bringing the love of Christ to you. Again, it's about one race, one spirit, one Lord, one baptism. And it's an absolute privilege and honor to be able to give you my testimony. One day I'll give you some details. I don't need to give you the down dirty and the gory of what this girl went through, but it was ugly. But I'm gonna tell you right here, he kept my mental. And I'll tell you this, mental stability is a gift. I'm gonna say this and I'll say it again. God is good, God is faithful, and I serve him, I'm sold out, and it's all about Christ Jesus. I don't need no platform. I am the platform, because look what he did with me. In Jesus' name, amen. being so good. You are the rescuing God. You are so good to us. Thank you for taking our lives, reaching into our lives and saving us one by one. Father, we ask for more of that. More of that, God. Help us, use us in our world today to save one more. Like the souls like Latina, the souls like mine, lost, afraid, beaten up by the world. God, reach in and save us. Use us to go into our world and save one more. We thank you and we praise you.